0: Well, good morning. 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 <laughs> we do have a couple of people here. It's great to see you. But but if you're choosing out of all the different streaming services that are available to be watching us, we just want to thank you. And if you're new to SABC, you're incredibly welcome and I hope that you find uh, some real encouragement today. Uh, with, uh, with me today, so I'm Robert Norris, I'm part of the leadership team. With me today I've got my, my wife Denise, wonderful wife Denise, and also some a young couple who have got a real call of God on their lives, uh, Stephen and Ruby Collins, who are going to be sharing the talk. So uh, today's topic is about being anointed for work, and this is a topic that we actually chose to speak this week uh, half, uh, t- in the latter half of last year. And who would have thought that it would be so relevant to what people are facing today? So uh, buckle up, or if you're at home, sit down, put the lazy boy <laughs> legs up if you haven't done already, and, and listen in. So uh, as we start today, what we do for work is one of the ways we tend to define ourselves, as well as one of the ways others tend to define us. One of the most common questions I ask someone when when I'm meeting them for the first time is, what do you do? And most people think I'm asking them what they do for a job, which is okay. You know, we can be an office worker or a student, tradesman or retiree, social worker or a homekeeper. I was recently talking to a lady who had been a full-time mum while her children were growing up. She was sharing that even though raising her children and running the home had been more than a full-time job, she had always felt some societal pressure to be in the workforce, earning money. And now that the kids were growing up and well, becoming young adults, that sense of pressure to enter back into paid work was increasing. So, it, you know, work is something which is relevant to us all. And if you're a young person today, that you you've tuned in today there are so many career career job choices available it can be really daunting for a young person starting on their job decision path should they go to university should they take a gap year should they just start working or get a trade and if they do study what if at the end of it they discover they don't actually enjoy what they've studied (laughs) my oldest daughter um, is like this First thought, she first thought about going down to Otago to become a physiotherapist, but when she did the math, realised that income versus student debt ratio didn't really stack up. So she studied management and marketing at the Canterbury University, lot cheaper to live at home, if she's got good uh, parents who are willing to pay for <laughs> her living there. In her final year, though, she realised she didn't want to do this management and marketing for a job. So, as soon as she got her degree, she's jumped on a plane, flew to Auckland, and studied makeup, uh, um, makeup artistry and became a makeup artist. And it is one of the things that can happen is that the career choices that are available, means that we can have a lot of uncertainty about where we're going. When
1: you are young, in your adult phase, perhaps through your early
0: 40s, death, children, and responsibilities often preclude considering. Right hey, job. hang on, Denise. We, I think we Sorry, technical <laughs> <laughs> start again.
1: Kay. When you are in your young adult phase, perhaps through to your early 40s, debt children and responsibilities often preclude considering if you're doing the right job or not. You're often still busy chasing the dream that you don't have the time or energy to stop and consider if you are chasing the correct dream.
2: And one of the things that can happen in the last sort of 15 or 20 years of a career is what's called uh, the golden handcuff situation. Uh, The people are now really good at their job. They've often progressed as far as they can go. Um, But the job sort of no longer excites them or challenges them like it once used to. They would love to explore a new career path, however, uh, they're also near the peak of their income level and are enjoying the lifestyle that is associated with that. To change career paths now would mean quite a drop in income, and to make that change would require incredible courage. And for many, this is just simply too hard, and so they keep repeating what they're doing, just doing what they know.
3: Oh, there we go. Um, So I can imagine wondering, uh, can I still contribute, and do I still have value in society, and do others need me still?
0: And at present, with the COVID-19 situation that we're facing, all our jobs are actually a bit uncertain at the moment. And some of you may be afraid uh, of what that might mean. And if you are, we just want to remind you from the outset that there is hope. As you'll see from today's talk, God is still in charge. Okay, so when people ask, what do you do, it is a valid question, because our lives are so centred around the work we do. Work is a significant factor for each one of us, and this has always been part of God's plan. Work, Work is something that we were designed to do. Work existed before the fall. God placed Adam in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it, the Bible says. Work is not something that came as a punishment for man because of sin. Work has always existed for man. Work is a way of knowing purpose, experiencing fulfillment, and partnering with God as worship. Consequently, it is unhealthy for us if we don't work. The Apostle Paul said... If a man will not work, he shall not eat. So what do we mean by work? Is it just our job, our career?
1: Biblically, work is so much more than the paid job or career we have. The complete book of Christianity describes work as the expenditure of energy, manual or mental or both, in the service of others, which brings fulfillment to the worker, benefit to the community, and glory to God. Expenditure of energy, service to others, and fulfillment, self-fulfillment, and community benefit, worshiping God. These are the key components that define that when we are carrying out God's given work.
0: And based on this definition, some of the paid jobs we could do wouldn't be defined as godly work. And many of the unpaid things we do would be defined as godly work. On a recent church bike trip, I observed one of the riders picking up a discarded empty can for recycling. He didn't get paid, but still he met this definition of work we've just given you. He used energy. He was serving others in the community. I suspect he felt a sense of fulfillment, and he was honoring God in the process. You know, another thing is that often people will separate out what they do for a job and what they do for church and think that their job is just secular and not important. And in fact, a lot of business people can uh, feel this pressure where they think that they're just in business to raise money to give to charities to actually help them fund. It's like they're a cash cow. But this is not the case for, for any of us. And conversely, what they do for church is sacred and accordingly has higher value in God's kingdom if that thought ever passes through your mind let me tell you it is completely and totally a wrong thought God is just as interested in what you do in the secular world as he is with what you do in the church I suspect God doesn't differentiate between the two it isn't where you're working but who you're working for that counts Working in the secular world is of much value as they're working for a church or ministry organisation. God treats it as the same, and so should we. Colossians says this, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when it comes to working, Jesus is our example, and this is what he said in John 5:17: My Father is always at his work to this very day, and I too and working the father works jesus works and so should we so for our introduction today we have highlighted that there are different phases of in life we've indicated that working is god's plan for you we've provided perhaps a different definition of work than what you're used to and we have reminded you that it is who we are working for that counts not what we are doing but what we want to do is actually unpack this further this morning And hopefully help us apply these thoughts in practical ways that will help us all go after God given destiny with our work. So this morning we'd like to open up a story in the Bible that we think is a great illustration of the difficulties we can face in in our working career carrying out our work in God and carrying it out in God-honoring ways and knowing what we should do and the steps we can take to fulfilling our calling. And the story we're going to look at the this morning is the story of Joseph, and you can, and you can find the story in the book of Genesis. But just let me highlight some of the important parts of the story. Now, Joseph was the second son, uh, second to last son of Israel, formerly known as Jacob, and the first son of his mother Rachel. And because Rachel was Israel's favorite favorite wife, Joseph was Israel's favorite son. And Joseph's ten oldest brothers knew it too. And so we read in Scripture, Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons, because he has been born to him in his old age. And he made a richly ornamented robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. And during this time, God gave Joseph a dream, According to leadership. Joseph dreamed that he would be in charge even of his family. The dream stayed with Joseph for the rest of the story. And it's not too big a step to say that God gave Joseph this dream to help sustain him through his difficult times. And just like Joseph, God has dreams that you can receive for your life. Dreams waiting to be given or dreams you already have waiting to be fulfilled. Then Joseph's first unexpected turn in life occurred when, because of their jealousy, Joseph's brothers sold him into slavery. And Joseph found himself a slave in Potiphar's house, where he rose to a place of leadership because of God's favour in his life. And we read again in scripture, The Lord was with Joseph, and he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favour in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. For a slave, I think we could say that for Joseph, things were fairly good. However, during that time, Joseph was falsely accused and thrown into prison. Again, just when he thought things were looking up, he was knocked down. Even so, God's call and favour never left him, and Joseph rose up to a place of senior leadership once again. And again, we can read The Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favour in the eyes of the prison warden where he'd been placed. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. And then while Joseph was in prison, an opportunity came for Joseph to have his case brought before Pharaoh through interpreting a dream that Pharaoh's cupbearer had while he was in jail. His hope was built up, I suspect, that perhaps he would be getting out of prison soon. However, he ended up waiting another two full years before God's timing was ready God so often patiently prepares us and moves us into place to be where we need to be at the right time. And sometimes we can interpret this that we've forgotten. And then finally, Pharaoh has a dream, and Joseph is given the opportunity to interpret it. Because of the training school God put Joseph through, Joseph no longer responded full of pride like he did with his brothers at the age of 17. Instead, 13 years later... Joseph responded with humility, wisdom, and grace. And because of this, Joseph became in charge of all Egypt, second only to Pharaoh. His dream and calling were being fulfilled. And then later, when Joseph's brothers came to confess and repent, we can see that God had truly done a deep work in Joseph. Joseph once again answering with grace and humility. "'Don't be afraid,' he said." Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So I'm going to get Stephen to come and unpack this further.
2: Thanks, Rob. Now, whether you're a pastor or a plumber or a teacher or an entrepreneur or a stay-at-home parent, work and what you do is rooted in God's good creation. And it's to reflect his glory. We see this plainly laid out in Genesis 2.15, which we saw before. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. But when we flip through the pages of the Bible, most of us are not going to find a verse telling us what we should study, where we should work, where we should live. What we will discover are verses about work providing us with a direction in the decisions we make, and the work we pursue, and how we're to engage with the work that we're currently doing in order to fulfill our calling and that true definition of what work really is. Bring it back to Colossians 3.17, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I love the NLT translation wording of whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus. Here it's illustrating that it doesn't matter where you are or what you're doing, If you do so in the name of Jesus with a righteous heart and in giving him glory, then you will always carry the potential to be successful and influence others. And this is something that's illustrated multiple times throughout Joseph's story. As we heard Robert explain earlier at the start of Joseph's narrative, he is betrayed by his brothers and sold into slavery, pretty close to what I would define as rock bottom. But despite this, Joseph continued to operate living for God, fulfilling his purpose for him. And because Joseph remained faithful and a representative of God, just like in Colossians 3.17, he proved himself trustworthy, and he found favor in God's eyes and consequently in Potiphar's eyes too. It didn't matter that he was bound to work as a slave. Joseph's readiness to put God first meant that he was successful and placed in a position of influence amongst those around him. Well, it wasn't all smooth sailing for Joseph from there, and his time at the top was, at least for the moment, short-lived, We see him tempted by Potiphar's wife. We see him falsely accused and imprisoned. Any one of these things on their own is enough to test anyone's perseverance or faith. But Joseph again remained a faithful representative of God. Because of this, God's favor rested on him again, and he was elevated into fulfilling his calling and his purpose of leadership and influence. This time essentially as a resource manager for the prison that he was at the same time imprisoned in. A similar example of this kind of concept, one far less dramatic than Joseph's, was illustrated in my own life a couple of years ago, where at the time I was working as a restaurant manager at the Mona Vale Homestead, which was lovely, but it certainly wasn't where I thought God was calling me to be. I felt stuck in the mud, and I was unsure of why I was doing what I was doing, and starting to question, is this all that there is for me? God very kindly and graciously reminded me that it didn't matter, that I was serving high tea to tourists and locals. I was called to work in the name of the Lord Jesus and be his representative. God then gave me this uh, loving, gentle nudge through the words of my beautiful wife who one day mentioned to me that I needed to change my perception of my situation and that I could use my job as a platform to bless others. Ruby's words, or more correctly, God's, were to, as I made each coffee for the day, to say a short prayer over each drink to bless the person who was receiving it. This is a seemingly simple addition to the routine process that was my job, although I believe the end result was up to 300 people a day becoming recipients of God's love, goodness, and his blessing. What it meant for me was that I was no longer thinking of my job as just something not quite hitting the bullseye of my calling, but it was more as a stepping stone and a platform now for me to be able to be Jesus to those who I encountered every day. I'll say it again, it doesn't matter where you are or what you're doing. If you do so in the name of Jesus with a righteous heart and in giving him glory, then you will always carry the potential to be successful and influence others. Denise is just going to share a similar testimony.
1: In September last year, as I was nearing the end of my beauty therapy course at Ara, a notice was written on the whiteboard about a job at a beauty salon. I took the opportunity and phoned the salon. I had an interview and then started a three-month trial on September 29th. The salon is upstairs in Miravale. Many times, as I started walking up the stairs, I got the feeling I was just extremely blessed and was experiencing God's favor. In those moments, I would think of Joseph and how he found favor with Potiphar, Mm. the jailer, and with Pharaoh. On January 16th this year, As I was reading through my E100 Bible reading plan that Simon talked about last week in his talk, I was delighted to be reading the story of Joseph. In chapter 39, I was particularly struck by the verses 2 to 6 and then 23. The Lord was with Joseph and blessed him greatly as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. So Joseph naturally became quite a favorite with with him. Potiphar soon put Joseph in charge of his entire household, entrusting him with all his business dealings. From that day, Joseph was put in charge. The Lord began to bless Potiphar for Joseph's sake. All his household affairs began to run smoothly. His crocs, crops and livestock flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't have a worry in the world except what decide what he wanted to eat. In verse 23... The chief jailer had no more worries after that, because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him, making everything run smoothly and successfully. In my journal, I applied these verses to myself and turned these scriptures into a prayer. This is what I wrote. Dear God, ever since I started my job at the salon, I have felt that I have your favor in this position, just like Joseph, had your favour on him in Potiphar's house, the prison, and then as ruler over Egypt. As I walked up the stairs to the salon, I often got the feeling of being like Joseph. Thank you for leading me into this job and that I have found your your favour with my boss. Thank you for being with me as I serve at the salon. Please bless me greatly and let me be be a great blessing to my clients and to my boss. Please give me success in all I do. Please help me do the treatments well and to sell lots of products. May all the sell on affairs run smoothly and may the business flourish. May you be with me, like with Joseph, making everything run smoothly and successfully. Amen. Mm -hmm. We are blessed to be a blessing. It is good to pray for your place of work, to ask for God's favor and blessing on yourself in the job and for the business.
2: Now, it's important to consider the idea that what we do is far less important than who we are. Work itself is not a bad thing. In fact, it's good. It has been ordained by God and everything that God creates is good. But it's when we place our identity and our self-worth and our value and what we do for a job that we lose God's calling for each of us. Now I've had to catch myself doing this and potentially some here too have as well of either currently or previously placing our identity in what we study or do for a job. Often we justify the importance that we place on our work or chosen path if we are studying by arguing its necessity and that we need to work hard and to prioritise our job otherwise we won't be able to provide for ourselves and those around us. What does God say? What is he saying to you? Matthew six thirty three tells us, but first seek his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Jesus here is pretty clearly deleting the excuse of placing ourselves within our occupation and highlighting that when sorry, when we live for Christ and hold our identity and who he says we are, he will take care of us. This is a concept that, in all honesty, is highly relevant today in our situation, and it's something that I think we can genuinely hold on to. Then there's a situation where people can prioritise work above anything else, and either the name of just, I really love what I do, or even worse, I have to be thinking about or doing work all the time, otherwise it won't get done. And we as teachers are particularly good at the latter. However, both of these end up placing our jobs above God. It's in our Ten Commandments, you shall have no other gods before me. Deuteronomy 5.7. And in saying this, you can love what you do, but it's more about recognizing when your employment slips into taking priority of your energy, your time, and your passion above what God is saying and wanting to do in your life. And it might seem extreme to label working really hard as an idol above God, but it can be a reality that occurs without us even realizing it. We are called to love God And to serve him throughout all our days an absolute preference to everything else in our life. And when we serve anything in place of the priority that God deserves, that thing becomes an idol. We each have a different calling on our life and identity that God has crafted for us, and that can be a bit of a process to figure out sometimes. But for Joseph, his calling was of leadership and influence. Joseph certainly wasn't perfect And his attitude when he was telling his brothers about how he was going to rule over them one day could potentially be interpreted as slightly cocky or arrogant. But Joseph was aware of his identity. He knew who he was and who God was calling him to be. And later on in the narrative, he does appear a little bit more mature and humble. But as mentioned earlier, no matter where he found himself, he remained faithful and righteous And he stayed true to that identity and that calling that God had placed on him. We see Joseph looking after people and ensuring that they have food and resources to last them through a famine. We see Joseph staying true to God's values rather than succumbing to the uh, personal glory of all his success. And Joseph's dreams were really specific. And they outlined God's calling for him pretty explicitly. And unfortunately that's not the case for everyone. Both Ruby and myself have had to, and in all honesty are still having to, really journey and search for who and where it is that God is calling us to be. But Ruby's just going to share with you briefly about a super useful tool that has helped us in this area.
3: I just want to share a really brief story about um, sort of a crossroads that I was at last year and um, just having to make some bigger decisions around um, work and study and those sort of things. Uh, and uh, a friend actually suggested that we um, do a little exercise uh, in which was writing my name in the middle of a piece of paper and around my name writing all of the things that I love to do, the things that make me tick, the things that make me come alive, my passions and, and so on um, and get Steve to do the same as well for me uh, and I sort of used this as a filter um, in the decision making process and the things I wrote around weren't necessarily a lot of them were deeper things but you know one of them was like I like flowers um, and yeah, there were some deeper things along with that as well but it was just amazing having this filter to hold up against um, these decisions and see the natural um, character the natural giftings that God has placed in me and how that can um, I guess uh, op- or how I can operate in those in my work life and that might not necessarily um, be the same for you uh if if you did this for your work life you know it might be um things outside of work um that that you're operating in these in um but yeah i'd encourage you to do it because it was amazing and get a friend or um, a significant other or a family member to do it because it's so encouraging having somebody else call out um that gold in you as well Mm -hmm. so yeah i encourage you to do that do it today
0: yes it can be a really interesting exercise to do because each one of us is given giftings and we have got a calling on our life and whatever we're doing and whatever happens over the next few weeks and may change for anyone's job situation you can still function out of the gifting and calling God has placed on your life and see your influence and significance grow as we come to a conclusion the story of Joseph is such a powerful story and it fills me with hope No matter how bad things get, no matter how desperate we become, God always has a solution and will always propel us toward our destiny when we surrender to him. You know, there is no such thing as a hopeless circumstance. There is no such thing as a hopeless circumstance. Only people without hope. And yet God has called us to be people of hope. Joseph's
2: situation is unique and our reality is likely to be quite different but his story is relevant to us. We are not so likely to become a slave although we can feel trapped. We are not so likely to be put in prison although we can feel that we are being limited and held back. Joseph was forgotten And we can feel that we aren't noticed for what we do.
1: God hasn't forgotten you. God hasn't limited your future. And God will open the doors at the right time.
3: You can be a student wondering what your future will be. You can be at the start or at the middle of your career focused on trying to be successful. You can feel like you're in a dead-end job. Or perhaps you're getting to the end of your normal working life and you're bored but maybe the money's really good. Or maybe you're retired and wondering what you'll do now. I think it's really important um, that we just acknowledge the fact that this um, virus at the moment is affecting some jobs um, and that it's okay to feel the feels at the moment. But um, if you are really affected at this time, um, please reach out to your community or to one of the team at church. Um, it's so important. Like We just want to um, together say no to a spirit of fear and just join in community um, in a safe way um, and yeah, really continue leaning into him in this time.
0: Yeah, that's true. And it's Uh, In this time of self-isolation, it's important that we don't become isolated. The story of Joseph tells us when we worship God and what we do, we will experience his favour as we position ourselves in Jesus. And we will be empowered to make a difference because he is in us through the Holy Spirit. And God promises to lead us into our future. We don't need to fear. Life can be difficult and it can be easy. If you are worried... uh, This morning, Jesus' word for you is, "I have got this." Our responsibility is to put Jesus first, and we do. When we do this, friends, this is work. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that no matter what we face, you're in charge. That you have got our future sorted out. That we can trust you. That we can surrender everything to you, and that we can actually work for you and carry the influence and representation that you've given us to do, and that you've uh, allow your giftings and your calling in our life to come forward wherever we are, whatever we're doing. Pray that you will bless people with that. In Jesus' name,
2: amen. Well, thank you, team. Thank you, Steve, Ruby, Denise, and thank you, Robert. Um, I just really commend you guys. Um, great to see you up here and, and preaching. It's wonderful to see um the gifts being used in the way they are. Hey, church, we're just about finished now. I, I've just got to-